Well, hello there. Welcome back to Life in Bold. This is the show where I get to connect you to people who are doing the work to live the lives they've imagined. And today's guest is absolutely no exception. We have Brietta Calloway, who is a friend of mine, a coworker of mine. Um, she used to lead marketing at my current company where I work, Life Labs Learning. And I was so excited when Brietta reached out and asked me about being on the podcast. She's someone that I admire. She is absolutely someone that I respect in the way that she has made so many career transitions. She has so many different passions and skills and talents. She's a performer. She is a professional. She's a marketing executive. And I loved this conversation talking to her. You're going to get a lot out of it too, just talking about marketing, career transitions, um, being a multi-dimensional person. Um, we talked about it all, and this is one of my favorite episodes. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I always say that, that this is one of my favorite episodes. And I'm, in the episode, I was talking about how I need to stop saying that because they're all, you know, uniquely my favorite. They're so good. So anyway, today we have Brietta Calloway, and I'm so excited to share this episode with you. So let's do just that. Let's dive in. Here is Brietta Calloway. All right. I am so excited about this episode. Brietta, you are here on Life in Bold. How does it feel? I could not be more excited. As you know, I'm a fan of you. I am a fan of your podcast, and I am thrilled to be in good company with the other interviews you've done. Oh, my gosh. I have done some really great interviews. And you know what's funny is when I promote the episodes, I constantly find myself saying, this is my favorite episode that I've done, or this is you know, the most interesting person that I've talked to or something like that. And I think I have to stop doing that because they're all my favorite. They're all interesting people. Um, but I do have to say, as I've been writing out my notes and doing some research for, you know, this interview, I keep calling it the Brietta Calloway interview, which I think is so <laughs> funny because, you know, sometimes there will be like in the media, there will be like, you know, CNN, you know, the Taylor Swift interview, whatever, you know, right. it's like a big, important <laughs> interview. And that's yes. kind of how I feel about our interview today. And so um, I'd love to peel back the curtain and tell people how we know each other and what our connection is. And I always love putting that on the guest. I love hearing, how do you say that we know each other? I can definitely answer that. So, <laughs> I mean, we obviously worked together. We worked mm -hmm together at a company called Life Labs Learning. And I think, you know, immediately when you joined, because I believe you joined after I did, right? yes. I was already there. So you were one of those people that immediately when you joined, I sensed synergy mm. in sort of like who you are, who I am, things that we're interested in. Mm. We're both creatives, artists, um, sort of multifaceted in that way. And so, yeah, you were definitely one of those people that we might have been colleagues, but we were also sort of like twin souls, mm -hmm. like riding the train together. So that is how we know each other. Yeah. And I've always been so impressed by, you know, you would go on meetings and you would just have like the best slides or you would have the most cool thing to say. I remember one time because you were working in marketing and I remember one time you said something that really actually changed the way I think about marketing, which was, I think you said that marketing is just communicating value. Um, and it really, it really became clear to me that like marketing is just telling somebody what's in it for them or what the value is. Well, exactly right. And I think so many times, I mean, I think this is true with anything, mm -hmm. but we tend to overcomplicate. Things, right. right? <laughs> like we put so many layers on top of it, but the truth of the matter is, and, and this is why I actually love marketing because I think every human innately understands marketing, mm. right? It's really about looking at something and saying, what is the value of this thing? Mm. Why does someone need to either purchase it, have it in their life, be a part of it. And we do that constantly, mm. right? So to me, it's like, there are lots of ways to market, mm -hmm. but ultimately what it is, is just saying, here's this thing. Here's why it's important. Here's why it's valuable. And here's why you 
might be in need of this thing. It's mm-hmm. just that simple. And to make it even to make it more complicated than that is a disservice to yourself and yeah. to the product. Okay, I feel like we can just end the podcast here. Everybody's learned something. Everybody's walked away with something good. I love it. <laughs> um, but I do. I came up with so my life and bold listeners know that I have not really done many speed rounds. Okay. Um, but I thought to get to know Brietta. It, there's so many parts of who you are. There's so many things that you do. And I also am very attracted to like what I perceive to be your values and and who you are as a person. So I came up with this game. I don't know what it's called. Maybe I'll call it five, four, three, two, one, because there's five questions and I'm going to go in order from five, four, three, two, one. Okay. And I want to ask you things about yourself. So I'm are game. you ready to go? And I'm it doesn't game. have to be, it doesn't have to be extremely fast, but okay. I'm just calling it a speed round because, you know, marketing. <laughs> I, I love it. We got, it's got to have a hook. Okay. So first question, what are five things you look for in a friend? Five things I look for in a friend, um, loyalty, Mm -hmm. character, um, fun, Mm -hmm. um, self-awareness and trust. Trust. Yeah. Those last two are big. Self-awareness and trust. (laughs) Yeah, they're big. They're big for me. As someone, I believe firmly in boundaries and knowing yourself. And so yeah, when I when I'm when I call someone a friend, they they're good in Mm -hmm. those areas. What are four foods you can't live without? That I cannot live without. Okay, sushi, because I just finished it and I can Mm -hmm. eat that every single day. (laughs) So sushi for sure, popcorn for sure. I love popcorn um potatoes like in any Any, yeah Mm -hmm. it comes in you like you can't go wrong with a potato um the other two um probably like a muffin oh yeah like I love a good muffin what's your favorite kind of muffin a banana nut muffin oh yeah love a banana nut muffin done well Mm -hmm. I think it's top tier Mm -hmm. and last I can't believe I put this last this should be first cheese oh you have to have cheese cheese I Mm -hmm. I I apologize, cheese. You should have been first. <laughs> but like, you know what yes, you did? Cheese in all of its variations. You saved the best for last. That's exactly right. That's exactly That's what you right. did. And it was intentional. Um, what are three <laughs> things that you've done for work? Three things that I've done for work, like to support myself professionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I've been an actress. Um, maybe I would put singer in there somewhere. Actress, mm-hmm. singer. Um, I've been a marketer. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the third? Cause I've done lots of things. I've also been a grant writer. I've, I've written lots of like multi-million federal like grants. So yeah, things. Yep. that's a really cool third one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This one's a big one. What are two things that you believe strongly? Oh, two things that I believe strongly. The first thing is that the most important thing you can, um, invest your time in is knowing yourself. You have to know who you are. Um, so I believe that strongly. And the second thing is, is I believe strongly that you don't have to quote right wrongs. Hmm. If you are right, then I believe it will ultimately work itself out. I hmm. think people spend way too much time trying to prove that they were right or that like someone else was wrong. Like hmm. if you're right, you just rest in that yeah. and it will work itself out. I promise. I love that. I was listening to a podcast. I listened to Chelsea Handler's podcast um, and she was taught, she does a, it's a call in podcast. So people call in, ask for advice. And somebody was um, telling Chelsea that their, their husband's ex is always trying to like attack them or trying to like, you know, catch them in the wrong or something. And mm-hmm. Chelsea said, any defense is ego. And I yeah. love that, that saying that like, if it's kind of like what you're saying, if you're right, you're right. And any defense mm-hmm. is ego, you know, if you have to it's make true. people know that you're right, then what's going yeah. on there? You know, if you're right, you're it's, right. It, it's true. And I think, because I think our human nature doesn't want for us to ever feel like someone believes badly about mm-hmm. us, thinks poorly of us, that we made a mistake or that we were dishonest. But it th- that is linked again to that strong self-awareness thing, mm-hmm. right? Like I've had instances in, in my life where I've had conversations with people to say like, because I know myself mm-hmm. and I know my heart and I know my intention, I trust that you will inevitably come to a realization mm-hmm. that like, even if we're disagreeing, it's not meant to hurt you. It's mm-hmm. not meant to, because I know me and I know 
that when I look at things, because I say this all the time, no one assesses my behavior more than I do. <laughs> so I know when I'm wrong. I know when I'm right. And I don't spend a lot of time trying to like justify. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last one here. And I wish this was number five. I wish this was five things, but what is one thing that you love about yourself? One thing I love about myself. Um, honestly, I think it's my love for people. Mm. I, I really love the fact that it's not for me. It's not like a game. It's not an affect. Mm -hmm. I'm genuinely in love with human beings. I mm -hmm. think they're fascinating. And I, whenever I'm in relationship with people, working with people, my goal is to bring out the best in them, like be the best for them. Like I, I believe that strongly. So. Yeah, totally. Okay. Ding, 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 ding. You won the game. game. Yeah. You I won the this. game. A game that I can win. I'm into. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe I'll bring it back for future guests when I, it's totally. just, you know, I feel like there's so much to you and there's so much that you've done and there's so much that you're passionate about. I'm curious also to know, you know, something that I've been working on with myself is really getting in tune with my inner child and really understanding what did I want as a kid and how is that reflected in my current life as I'm 30 years old. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know what were you like as a kid and what did you dream of? So I, I right off the bat, I love this question, primarily because I've been having more and more conversations about this recently. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because when I, you know, the kid that I was, was, um, I was extremely active in the sense of, I was involved in lots of different things. Mm. I had various different interests and they were all seemingly different, mm -hmm. right? Like I was in young astronauts and the choir and theater and debate, like, and like for a hot second, I ran track. Mm. Um, like I was into everything. And I think part of that ethos has spilled over into my adult life, right? Which is just like pursuing the things that I love and that mm. I enjoy. But also as a kid, I was someone, you know, I was raised in a family that had so many boundaries, right? Like my father was a pastor of a church. So there was very much like a sense of like right and wrong. Like there's the right things to do, the wrong things to do. My mom is retired military. So mm. I grew up in military bases all over. And if you've ever lived on military bases, there are rules, right? Like there are certain days you cut the grass. There are certain days that you do like very regimented. Um, and then there was me who was this sort of like free, like just wanting to do all of the things sort of person. And I can honestly say that while I think a lot of that like rules and structure bled in mm -hmm. to me, I, I, I give a lot of credit to my mom who was really good about just sort of letting me explore, like whatever I wanted to do. She never questioned it. She was like, okay, I guess we're into astronauts mm -hmm. like right now cool. Like, okay. She wants to like be in the speech club. Like she really embraced that part of me. And so I think when I look back at my younger self, I was very fearless, mm. right? Like I think adulthood brings more fear and stress, but as a kid, I was extremely fearless. There was nothing you couldn't tell me mm. I couldn't do. Like I had no concept of failure, like I just did it and I just knew I'd be great at it. And I just knew I'd have a good time. Yeah. So that was who I was. What kind of student were you? Did that manifest? Cause I feel like I was very free spirited. I was very bold, but in school, I didn't have the same um, need to be extremely successful. I didn't like study extremely hard. I wasn't like a straight A achiever. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious for you, how did that manifest in school? You know, it's interesting because I, so I was not someone who spent a lot of time studying, but mm -hmm. I was innately smart. Right. So I was in a lot of like AP classes, advanced classes. Like I was one of the gifted kids, mm -hmm. you know, like I, when we had a chance to take a language, I took Latin, like, because I wanted to know what the root, like, mm -hmm. like her words were like, I was that kid. And I think um, school, but school for me was something that I, I enjoyed, but it wasn't really, um, the like the act of school wasn't really fulfilling for me. I liked learning and I love, and I, to this day, I love learning. Like I constantly pick up a book. I was just on Coursera today saying like, 
can I find like an intro to sociology? Like I'm, I'm that person mm -hmm. um, that loves, to, but I will say that for me, I think it was less about quote learning. I loved to read. And I, even now I read like, and I read voraciously, like I'm up to like 260 books this year alone. No. I read constantly, constantly. Okay. Understood. I, <laughs> yeah. So you get it, right? Yeah. And so as a kid, that was the thing that was like the biggest punishment. If my mom said, you can't go to the library, that was like a sentence worse than death for me. And I was the kid, out, fun fact. The library on my base when I was in elementary school had to institute a cap on the number of books you could check out because I would go in and just leave with a tower of books and mm -hmm. I would just read voraciously. So I, I think that's where my like love of learning and, and knowing new things came from. Yeah, totally. And as you've grown up, you know, you've 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 entered different jobs, you've done different things, you've been a performer. How have how have you evolved over time as an adult, maybe since the time you were 20 or 22 till now? Well, I you know, what's interesting is I and I've been saying this more now than I probably would have said earlier. Mm. There is a there is such a beautiful thing that happens as you start to get older, right? Because you start to get better perspective mm -hmm. about the things that you've been going through in your life. I would, I, one of the things I'm, I'm keen about is I would love to say that I was super intentional in my life, but I really wasn't mm. like, I really just followed the things that I was passionate about. If I was interested in a topic, I explored it. And if I, if there was a cause that I was interested in, like, I remember one of my first jobs in New York um, well, I worked with the Alvin Ailey Dance Theater, but mm -hmm. after that, I worked for the gay men's health crisis. Well, that's because I had a lot of gay men in my life. I cared passionately about HIV prevention and like AIDS education. And so I started working with the gay men's health crisis because mm -hmm. I was interested in that. And so over the years, those little experiments with my life have opened up all of these different pathways. What's interesting to me is that, you know, when I first came to New York, I, I graduated from high school at 17. I moved to New York to go to NYU. I graduated from Tisch School of the Arts. Um, and so my dream was to be a Broadway actress. That mm -hmm. was the dream. I had no other dream other than that, right? Mm -hmm. And immediately in college, like, you know, I got some parts like in movie stuff. I got some TV stuff, the Broadway stuff. Like I did few tours like I did I was sort of skirting around the big dream right mm -hmm. and I think that part of the reason why like perspective is so good is there were so many times where doors got shut in my face right like I remember I was like one phone call away from being in like rent on Broadway like wanted it desperately it was everything I wanted I ended up not getting it mm. and it was devastating it was one of those times where I was like devastated right but I I say all of that to say I used to write and I would like you know do some like directing stuff but I never considered myself a writer I never mm -hmm. considered myself a director that I was an actress like I was a singer and an actress that's what I did and had I not had those opportunities where folks said no to me, I would not have pursued my own work. Mm -hmm. And like now I'm much more passionate about the writing, directing and producing than I ever was yeah. about being a performer. But I would have, I don't know that I would have discovered that had the dream just sort of like happened mm -hmm. the way it was supposed to. And then all of these other paths that I've taken in my career as a marketer, as an executive, these were parts of my personality that I never gave a lot of credence to, mm. right? Like they were there. I knew I was passionate about it, but I, I didn't think a lot about it. And yet I find all of that work to be as creative as anything I do sort of in my quote unquote creative work. So it's been sort of a circuitous route, but yeah. it's been fun. One thing I'm curious about, just as you're talking, obviously, I keep saying you've done so many things, you have so many passions. One thing that I always think about when I get a new job or when I have some type of new opportunity or when I start my own new side hustle or business is if I'm in a bar and someone comes up to me and says, hey, I'm Mark, I'm an executive creative director, you know, whatever, what do you do? Mm -hmm. I always am thinking, what do I want to say about myself in 
20, 30 seconds um, about my passions and, you know, all these things. And actually um, in my first five years of my career, I was at a company called ClassPass and I was, you know, overseeing learning and development. And it was a very, very important piece of my identity. It was in my Instagram bio. It was all that I blogged about and all that I posted about. And when I got my, my new job after being unemployed for 10 months, I was unemployed for 10 months. And that was a really... I am very thankful for that time because I got to really understand my actual values and how I care about myself and what I think is interesting about me outside of just my job. Um, And so now I don't put it in my Instagram bio. I try to avoid it at a bar. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, I do this for this company. And I'm curious to know from you, what do you say if I walk up to you at a bar? Hi, I'm Ben. Who are you? Yeah, I would say you know, I'm Brietta. I'm a storyteller hmm. and a strategist and a thinker. Those mm-hmm. are, those are like the three things that I think fully encapsulate what I'm interested in. Because even as a marketer, I am so like in, energized by the storytelling piece of yeah. it, right? Like I, it's the reason why like, you know, marketing, you can go on lots of different paths. Mm-hmm. right in marketing for me I've always erred on the side of like brand building mm-hmm. or like growth and expansion because I love telling the story of a, of a brand mm-hmm. I want to understand who are we as a brand who is our audience and how do we find those points of synergy now if you take that description you could apply that to theater mm-hmm. you could apply that to the work that I do in DEI you could apply it to the work that I do like when I'm consulting like it's all the same work mm-hmm. it's just sort of housed in these different areas and so yeah to me I always lead with you know being somewhere between a storyteller and a strategist yeah it's really where I sit and you know what we're getting at is that you and I are both incredibly multidimensional and that we have a lot of different pieces of who we are and how we do things and what we care about and what we're passionate about. And I'm curious to know from you that word multidimensional, have you always identified that way? Have you had a growth? Have you had an experience of growing into that word? I'm I'm very curious about that. I have totally grown into that Mm -hmm. word. I would say, you know, again, I'm at this interesting inflection point sort of at my age and stage in life where the world is very different now Mm. than it was when I was like 19, 20, Mm -hmm. right? And so when I was 19 or 20, it was, I I lived a very segregated life. Like I was an actor here. I was a side hustler here. And then my day job was over there and never the twain shall meet. Like, (laughs) Like nobody, I don't want any spilling over onto any side. I think part of that was just because I didn't know how to navigate those things. I Mm -hmm. also felt like people wouldn't take me seriously in Mm -hmm. either space, right? If I was like really executing on so many different levels, but over the years, I've found so much more comfort Mm -hmm. in what I've called sort of embracing the hyphenated nature of Mm -hmm. my life, right? Like I, I feel more comfortable doing that. And I think it's because Over the years, what I've learned is the only person that suffers is me because I live a fragmented experience. Mm. And I'm also not able to bring all of my skills and abilities to any one space because I'm keeping them very separate. And so I've learned over the years that one, it's just easier for me, for for me to just live however Mm. I'm going to live right? This has also come up a lot over the last couple of years as I've become more vocal about the things I care about when it comes to like diversity mm-hmm. and equity. Like these are things that I I would love to say that I led the charge, but it's actually like younger mm-hmm. black women who showed a fearlessness that I was like, oh, wow. Like they're so fearless mm-hmm. and like talking about these things. And I was like, I guess it's okay for me to like, have these opinions more mm-hmm. visibly and vocally. And so I think, again, it's creating for me a sense of fulfillment because I'm able to really lean in now and not feel like, oh, I can't say that here because here I'm this version of yeah. my And here I'm that version. Like I'm just Brietta all the time and you get to benefit from yeah. all of the things I care about. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a good way to just bring 
bring so much success to everything that you do is like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a marketing person here, but like, I'm also bringing in this experience as a storyteller and as a performer and I'm a performer here and I, and I know all about marketing and I know how to make something that, that sells. And, you know, you can really, yes. the more you integrate who you are with the different pieces of who, what you do, the more, you know, success you can find. And I think that that's go, kind of goes to that authenticity piece too, is like being able to truly I- be who you are in everything that you do, yeah. that's kind of the key totally. to success. I think, I, I think you're right. And I think, and I'm curious, even from your perspective, how you feel about this, because I also think that this is something that if you are someone who checks the box of mm. other in mm-hmm. any sort of way, you do live a multifaceted life, Yeah, right? Like it's just inherent, mm-hmm. right? Like if you are, and I say this all the time, like I remember hearing this poem years and years ago. I'm going to age myself when Deaf Poetry Jam was like <laughs> a thing on HBO. And she was, I believe she was an Iranian poet. Mm. And I don't remember the whole poem, but there was a line in it that has always stuck with me. She said, this was like post 9-11. And she said, there are days when I feel more Brooklyn than Iranian. And mm. there are days when I feel more Iranian than Brooklyn. And that's always stuck with me because yeah, there are days when like I wake up in the morning and I just feel more black Mm -hmm. than I did yesterday. Mm -hmm. And then there are days when I wake up and I feel much more like an artist than I do an executive. Mm -hmm. And then there are days when I'm fully in my executive mode and that's really leading the charge, right? I think it's part of it because when you check a box that's other, in order to be authentic, you have to be comfortable bringing your whole self Mm -hmm. into the room, right? Mm -hmm. And I talk about this a lot with people because, you know, I also worked in um, women's health marketing, specifically with reproductive health. And so I was literally a reproductive health marketer for a healthcare system, right as like the abortion bans were coming up, like really in the thick of those things. And I remember one of my mentors said to me about like, when you're a woman, your body is just political. Mm -hmm. You don't get it. It's unfortunately it's true. And I remember thinking you're right. And that's true. If you're black, that's true. If you're an immigrant, Mm -hmm. that's true. If you're queer, Mm -hmm. like you're just, your life is political Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you have to be able to embrace all of that because if you don't like people are making decisions about who you are without you. And assumptions. Yeah. yeah. Something that's really coming up for me, getting a little emotional talking, thinking about it, but something that I think about when you're talking about that for me is not only am I gay, but I constantly have to remind people and tell people and come out when I'm in new situations, yeah. when there's a new leader at a company or when I'm seeing new friends. Like last night I went to a comedy show with, um, friends of friends. So my friends were in town and they brought their friends. And I'm just thinking, I wonder what they'll think about me being gay. And it's 2022 and you never know. Um, and it's just kind of a funny thing. Like it just goes through my mind. And as I think about authenticity, I think about how much am I going to own that? And how much am I going to talk about it in a way that's true to myself and my own story and kind of to your point without letting them make assumptions about what they think they know about gay people or what they think they know about me because they've met another gay person or something like that. And it's, it's actually really challenging because when you go into that situation, you know, for me, like, I feel like I need to make a decision, like how, how authentic do I want to be in this moment? And it might be based on things they say or things they, you know, do, but it also might just be based on, this is where the life and bold comes in. It might just be, be based on how bold I feel in the moment. And some days I feel like, uh, let's just let it, let it go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I don't really care today. And some days I'm like, I am not going to leave this room before everybody in this room understands that I'm gay and proud. And this is who I am. Um, and I imagine it would be very similar for, you know, people who it's, are in all different situations and different identities. It's so true. And I love so much of what you just said, because it, there, there's so much to what you just said, because the first is, is like, you know, I, so take that same sensibility around being black, right? Mm-hmm. Like as a black woman, I don't get to hide, Yes. right? Like I, who I am is who I am. You see it. However, 
there are certain, I am very aware that there are certain privileges that I walk in, right? Mm -hmm. As a black woman who presents the way that I do, I don't struggle in the same way that maybe some of my black friends struggle, Mm -hmm. right? So I own that there's a certain sense of privilege there, which for me creates sometimes the opportunity to decide how much I want to lean in Mm -hmm. to my blackness, right? And I think, not I think, I know for a fact that I have been welcomed into rooms because I am seen as a palatable mm-hmm. black, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I feel like a comfortable version of blackness mm-hmm. that, you know, white executives might be okay with. Mm-hmm. And then they meet me and they realize, oh no, she's like super passionate and super <laughs> vocal about it. And like, oh, maybe we should ask like a different question in the interview process, or we could assess this out. But mm-hmm. the truth is, is like, I something that you said, which is spot on, which is like, Unfortunately, by virtue of who we are, that's a choice mm-hmm. that we're constantly making, right? Like, how much am I going to lean into this in this space? But the one thing that I often say to people is like, you all, it, like, all of that is well and good, but you actually don't owe anyone your yeah. experience, right? Like, I actually don't owe it to anyone to like explain my blackness, mm-hmm. right? Like, I actually don't owe it to anyone to like, help you understand how to navigate mm-hmm. my otherness. Like, I don't owe that to you. I happen to be someone who loves to teach. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I tend to lean more into that, but I also reserve the right that if like, I'm not feeling like it, mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. Right. Like, and I said this to someone recently, I was like, I don't owe anyone my trauma. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like my trauma is mine and I can unpack it or pack it up to my own discretion. And I think anyone who checks any other, and I, I want to be clear for this, for like people who are listening, that's also, if you're like in a fat body, that's if you're abled versus not, that's mm-hmm. if you're poor versus not like there's many manifestations yeah. of this. I think, you know, there are certain populations that have been more vocal, maybe because we've needed to be, Yeah. but it's not isolated <laughs> to just like black and brown and queer people, right? Like there's lots of folks who are like packing and unpacking their trauma because they feel like they have to in whatever room they're in. Something I also think about as you're speaking is um, people's health experiences. If somebody is diagnosed with something or somebody is facing a certain challenge with their health, it's similar, you know, you you don't want to have to share it with everybody. You don't want to have to be like up to someone's opinion or advice or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, in my life in the last three or five years, I've had a, n- a number of people kind of share health experiences and, and challenges. And oftentimes that requires a lot of boundary setting and, yeah. you know, being able to say like, this is who I am, or this is what I'm dealing with. And mm-hmm. this is how I'm okay with you engaging with me. And yeah. I think that that's a really good lesson that I've learned over time is that you know, if someone doesn't know how to engage with you or, or you're, something about you is new to them, it is an opportunity to teach, like you say. It's, you know, and, and oftentimes I, I tend to believe that people, um, if you're able to get them past being defensive, they would appreciate knowing, you know, how, how you can, you know, um, interact with me as a person. I 100% agree with this. I was just uh, recently... I was explaining to someone like there's a difference between ignorance and willful ignorance, Mm -hmm. right? Like there are people who are ignorant by virtue of the way they were raised, where they're raised. Maybe they haven't been exposed to a lot of different people. So they just don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. But then those are the people that once they're exposed, they learn, they adapt, they grow, they shift, they change. Mm -hmm. That is different from someone who's ignorant, but doesn't really want to know anything. Right. Like, I, so that's the first point. And then the second thing is I actually remember this. So one of the first conversations that I had, um, with like, a, an executive coach, they were asking me sort of like, you know, give similar to our game, like, give me five words, yeah. explain something. And one of the words that I used was boundaries. And I remember them saying like, that's interesting. I've never had someone use that word. And so for me, I talk about this a lot, like boundaries are it's it's the kindest thing you can do for someone Mm -hmm. is to help them understand the ways that they can safely engage with you Mm -hmm. right like that's really really important and i think that when anytime again that you're an other you're used to that 
right? Like you're used to knowing that you got to navigate some of these situations. Like there's a boundary that like you just, you're good at it, mm-hmm. right? People who don't have those experiences sometimes have to be led. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends who is, um, she's Pakistani. And we were talking about just like the difference between like brown struggle versus black struggle and all those things. She said a phrase that for me has changed things. She was like, my goal is not to call people out. It's to call them in. Mm-hmm. It's to call them into conversation with me, call them into the the, the ongoing conversation because the more we can do that, mm-hmm. goal here is like there are more advocates, more allies, more folks engaged in these conversations. So yeah, I think it's super important that folks like learn how to safely navigate in like relationship with others, but also learn how to be vocal Mm-hmm. about those things. Like, that's what I want. I want someone to say to me, like, I actually don't want you to talk about this thing or touch on this topic with me. Like, mm-hmm. that's what makes me comfortable. And anything other than that, we're safe to play. Yeah, I totally agree. I had a situation recently um, at work where I, I asked someone a question and they basically just said, um, I've set a boundary where I don't want to talk about this. And I totally respect it. And I'm like, thank you for yeah. telling me that versus yes. ignoring me or, you know, being upset with me. Just say, you know, I've set a boundary and this is what the boundary is. And um, yep. and uh, people will generally appreciate it. And they might feel like, oh, no, I I uh, went up over their boundary. But it's like, you didn't know. And the person setting a you boundary for telling you. And so it's okay. That's exactly right. I'd yeah. love to shift us because I am going through, you know, a little bit of a career transition and um, stuff I can't totally get into right now with the Life and Bold listeners, but I'm looking at, you know, different options for my life and just long-term, short-term, what my career path looks like. And I know that you have gone through a lot of career transitions and made a lot of career decisions. And I'm curious your approach to career transitions or even life transitions. Um, you know, what what do you think of or what do you consider when you're trying to make a some type of leap or transition or whatever? Yeah. So I think the big thing for me at least is like I'm always because so ironically, I do this a lot. Like I have a lot of people in my life who come to me who are like, I'm about to do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to know what you think about it. And the one, so the one caveat statement that I always give to people is like, ultimately only, you know, mm-hmm. what is most important mm-hmm. for you. Like, and I think it's really important to have language for that. Like mm-hmm. what is most important for my life, for my mental health, for my family, what is mm-hmm. the most important thing that becomes the filter through which I make every single decision. Right. So getting super clear about that. So that's like the first thing. The second thing is, is like, anytime I start to look at making a switch or a change, what I have learned for myself is the hardest part is just making the decision. Mm. That's the hardest part because I tend to like, I tend to make decisions, but then I can live in the place of like torture about the decision. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, did I do the right thing? Did it like, did I, did I like, did I articulate this? Well, like, how did I do? And I think the hardest part is just like making the decision and owning that. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I often do, my mom says this to me all the time. She's a therapist. So I get like <laughs> dual, dual benefits. I get the mom benefits and I get the therapeutic benefits, which is she often says to me, she's like, play the tape out. Right. So, okay. I make this decision. She's like, okay, play the tape out. All right. So if I make this decision and it's wrong, mm. here's what's going to happen. If that happens, this is what's going to happen. If I play that tape out and I can feel okay with whatever the ripple effects are with that, then I'm okay to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, I've at least thought all the way through that process to the best of my abilities. Right. Mm-hmm. So those are the like foundational things. Then the other thing is, is like, I'm a firm believer in making decisions that advance your life. Right. And I think, I don't know that enough people Mm. think this way. I also acknowledge that that is a privileged way to think, right. Because a lot of people are like, I I don't have time to think about advancement. I'm just trying to like pay bills, like keep the lights on. So I, I get that. But as much as you possibly can, when you're looking at opportunities, I just Mm. did this with a friend of mine. She's like, I've got these three different job offers. Here's what each one of them bring. Some are paying more, some are paying less. 
And I said to her through a course of conversation, I was like, but you know what you want to be. Mm. Like, we know what you are now. We know what you want to be. And if you can afford to take $10,000 less, but have a job where that's pointing you in the direction that you want to go, like if financially you can do it, mm-hmm. why not do it? Yeah. Right. Like why not take the opportunity that's going to point you in that direction? Because here's what I've learned as someone who's made a lot of changes yeah. in their life. What I've learned is that the, the decision that you make is often not the thing, but it's the thing that gets you to the thing, mm. right? So like I made a decision a couple of years ago to change jobs, right? I took this job. It was it was a wonderful opportunity. I loved it. It was very chaotic, right? But, but I love the job. But that job fundamentally changed like my career trajectory. Mm. It changed everything for me because it w- I was I was having conversations that allowed me to open my mind about like salary, like what mm. what salary I could actually earn. Because again, as we talked about before, I'm someone who's kind of led by my bliss. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, is it fun? Am mm-hmm. I going to enjoy it? Like, are the people cool? Like all of those things. And I didn't realize that because I index so much on that, I rarely would ask questions like, can I make more? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't even know you could negotiate a salary mm-hmm. until like seven, eight years ago, right? Like, so all of those things led me on a path where I was like, oh, so this isn't the place, but it's the place where I learned this new skill mm-hmm. so that I can move to the next direction. And I actually talk about this, like any team that I've ever run, young marketers, they will tell you, they can vouch for this. I believe strongly in helping people grow their careers. And so I'm often saying to them, you need to have a picture in mind of where you want to go. Now you may change your mind once you get there, right? Like, but I say like, okay, you're a young marketer and you want to go into brand, right? Okay. You need to start looking for Mm -hmm. projects, opportunities, roles that can lead you in that direction. And as you go in that direction, you'll be like, okay, I know I like this part, that part, not so much. So like, okay, the next opportunity, where can I do more of that thing? Right. And so it leads you into the place that you need to go. And I think it helps with the transition piece of it. And then the last piece that I'll say is, is because I get a lot of people who come to me who are like, Brianna, like, you're so courageous and you make these choices and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, sure, I absolutely do. I have since I was a kid, but I'm terrified every single time. Mm. Right. And I want to normalize that that like making a change is super, super scary. Mm -hmm. Like when you leave a job, you're leaving people you love, you're leaving things that you know, that's scary, Mm -hmm. right? Then you're going to a new, and as a military kid, right? I used to move every three years, Mm -hmm. right? So I actually know what it's like to walk into a new school every three years and be like, hi, like, (laughs) new kid, like, hello. Like, and every time you walk into a new job, that's what's happening, it's Mm -hmm. scary. And, but I say this to people because there are, I think maybe younger people or maybe people who don't have a lot of experience, they feel that feeling and they think that means they're doing something wrong Mm. or that they're making a mistake. And it's like, no, like every person you respect feels that and they still do it. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, just embrace that feeling of discomfort. It's going to come, it's going to happen. But if you filtered this decision through your values, through what you want to do, keep moving in that direction because mm-hmm. I can promise you the best thing that you can do to like grow your career or your life is to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you have to be comfortable like with change. You have to mm. be comfortable with like sitting in new spaces Like you have to be comfortable, like maybe not always having the answer, not always being the star who like knows all the things you got to get comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. Because if you err too much on the side of your comfort, you'll stop your growth. Mm. That leads to my very last question of the Brietta Calloway interview. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Something I like to ask people and you've touched on it pretty deeply in in your last answer, but I'd love to know how you define boldness in your life. Mm -hmm. So how do I define boldness? So for me, I think that it means being unapologetically myself, Mm. right? 
And for for me to take that a, a step deeper, it's like I'm unapologetic about the fact that I'm a work in progress. I'm also unapologetic about the things that I'm good at. Right. Like I'm actually someone, I I say this to people all the time and I know it makes people uncomfortable, but like, I'm never going to apologize for the things that I'm good at. Mm -hmm. And I'm never going to hide those things. Like if I'm good at something, I'll be the first one to tell you. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is if I'm not good at something, I will be the first one to tell you. (laughs) I will be the one to say like, you know what? You actually don't want me for that. That's not my strong suit. Like, Mm -hmm. There are better people, smarter people in the room for that. But if you want this, I'm the, I'm the best person in this room to get that done. Right. And I think being bold is about being comfortable with like how awesome you are in your areas. Right. And I, the part that I want to sort of add to that from, for a disclaimer is like, I don't want that to convince everyone that that means that they need to be center stage, Mm. right? Like not everyone is like, needs to be like head of this and like senior, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not what I mean. That means if like, if you are really good at like baking cookies, own that. Yeah. Right. Like, and don't let people convince you that it's a little tiny thing and it's not important. It's super important. You're passionate about it. You're amazing at it. You should be the one to say like, no one's ever baked a cookie the way uh, I bake a cookie, right? Like, yeah. and, don't, and don't like, don't equivocate on that. Mm. Be like, be very, be your best, most vocal cheerleader mm-hmm. in the areas that you're good at. That is so good. And as you're talking, I'm thinking specifically about my photo booth business, mm-hmm. um, which I love. And I guess I'll just plug right now that if you're in New York City and you have a holiday party, Halloween party, New Year's party coming up, rentmybooth.co. Um, but my my photo booth business is exactly that. I know exactly what I bring to the table. Yeah. I know exactly what I don't do and what I don't care to do. Mm-hmm. And when someone comes to me and they say, we want a photo booth and we're looking for this, this and that, I can, like you say, filter through do I have it? Do I not have it? Do I care about it? Do I want to have this? And what I can tell them kind of like, just like what you just said, I am the best photo booth attendant in New York city. Yes, (laughs) I am. There is nobody more fun in a photo booth than me helping you take a photo. So if you're looking for a party starter, if you're looking for somebody to really make people have a great time in a photo booth and get some amazing pictures, I'm your guy for that. But if you're looking for somebody, you know, who um, is just going to, I don't know, sit at the table and yeah, absolutely not. Because see, because I know you, I can help with this plug and the marketer in me cannot resist. Yeah. (laughs) Which is is like, so what you bring, your innate value isn't just the service. Mm -hmm. You are someone that loves people, Mm -hmm. love people. That's something I know about you, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're innately curious. You innately love people. You like to see people smile and Mm -hmm. have a good time. I've seen that in a meeting. Mm -hmm. I've seen that like, so that is something that you bring. That's some, that's your unique selling proposition. Yeah. Right. Which means that when someone hires your company to take pictures, Mm -hmm. they don't just get a booth. Yeah. They get someone who cares so much about people that that translates Mm -hmm. to the pictures, like into the final product. Yeah. I often, I love that. I often joke that I'm not getting paid to be a photo booth person. I'm just being paid to make an appearance at parties. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and here's the thing. What just to take that, because I always love learning. Yeah. Like you, you found the thing that uses all Mm. of your abilities, right? Like the personable part of you, the performer part Mm -hmm. of you the business sales part of you, Mm. the market, like you found something that does all of that stuff. And it doesn't necessitate, like I see all the time, like everyone's trying to like be the next great, big, whatever it is. And it's like, you don't have to, like, if you want to amazing, I'm sure you want, but you don't have to, right? Mm. Like there are people I'm like, I'm in awe of people every single day who find like a thing, like they start a sticker company. Mm because they just love it. Mm -hmm. And like, because you love it, it turns out to be the thing that like supports you could make you wealthy could make you, but you did it because you love it. It's a Mm -hmm. little tiny thing, 
that is your thing to do. And I yeah. think your point about being bold, it's like make a bold choice, even if that is a bold, small choice, mm-hmm. like make that choice. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, well, it's been so ha- wonderful having you on this show. I'm so happy you reached out. I'm so happy we were able to make it happen. And I want to make sure you have an opportunity to share with people where they can support you, where they can find you, um, what you have going on. Yes. So I myself have a podcast called Mm -hmm. I've Been Thinking. And so you can follow us on all the places podcasts are found. Um, My website, I've Been Thinking Podcast, you can actually see upcoming episodes there. And then on that website, all of my social media um, channels are linked. So you can find me. It's usually like it's Brietta is like my handle. Yeah. I just found you today on Instagram. I I don't know why I wasn't able to find you earlier. I don't know if you have to have me blocked or something. No, that should (laughs) never be the case. But if you follow me on Instagram, currently I'm obsessed with my tomato plants. So you yes. see lots of like pictures of my tomato plants. Yeah. But yes, all in all of those spaces, you can find me. <laughs> okay. So if you're following me at Hustle with Ben, you can go find Brietta. It's Brietta on Instagram. You can go to the website, which is I've been thinking podcast. I've been thinking podcast.com. Yep. Congratulations.com <laughs> is like, so um, it's like, it's gold. Such an interesting, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have rent my booth.co. So if anybody's looking for my photo booth, it's.co. And unfortunately.com goes to an entirely different photo booth business. And like the, when I was naming the photo booth business, like it was such a challenge because there's one company that just has every URL, yep. like New York photo booth.com <laughs> rent my booth.com like rent my photo booth.com. Um, anyway, so I have a .co for that, but I have benjaminhaws.com for my personal stuff and I'm at hustle with Ben on Instagram and TikTok. And I don't know if you saw this, um, YouTube is going to release handles now. So yes. you'll be able to tell people go follow me at, you know, yes, hustle with that on YouTube. That. That is going to be a game changer. A game changer. It's very <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. This has been really fantastic. I know our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of this and I hope they go follow you and support you and listen to your podcast as well. Thank you so much, Ben. It's always a pleasure talking to you even more so on this format. Oh yeah, of course. And we'll have to have you back because this was a great episode. I already know a hit episode. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Life in Bold. We have new episodes coming out every other Monday. You can find us on where you are now, which is probably Spotify or Apple. And like I said, you can follow me on Instagram for more information at Hustle with Ben. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, This has been such a fun episode. And don't forget to go uh, listen to more. Have a great day and even better week. And do not forget to live your life in bold. Bye, Brietta. Bye. (laughs) 